0: Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's interview podcast. Uh, Today's guest is Robert Kozlarik. Am I saying your name right? Yes, you are. Okay. Uh, From from Lifeline Theater in Chicago, you know, these guys are the experts at adapting novels and putting them on stage. And we have an expert here. Robert, you've done 10 so far. Uh, Yes, yes, I have. Tell us about... The current one, uh, Moonstone. I, I found it to be fascinating, and and w- like, where did you come up with this?
1: This is a title that's actually been um, been kicking around the Lifeline Ensemble for quite some time. We have a, a core group of of folks in our art- artistic ensemble that's very interested in the in the mystery genre, and in, in particular, you know, we did a we spent um, ten years. Uh, Doing a whole number of the Dorothy L. Sayers, uh, Lord Peter Wimsey series. Yeah, you and guys
0: have those mysteries down pat.
1: We, we love them, and our and our audience and our our, our subscribers really love the uh, love those kind of mysteries where where there's you know there definitely is uh, a mystery to be solved at the core, but that the real um, the meat of the story is more about uh, relationships and uh, and the, the the drama between actual flesh and blood characters. So. Uh, Wilkie Collins had been had been kind of uh, uh, kicking around the ensemble for a long time, and the Moonstone is such a it's such an important such an important piece in the history of of the genre. So, um,
0: yeah, tell us about that. I mean, the quotes I've read is 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 considered the great the first detective novel in the English language.
1: You know, that's uh that is a <laughs> that is a contested claim. Okay, but um, his several of the of the um. Of the the plot elements that he introduced in the Moonstone, um, that we think of as, as sort of uh, uh, tropes or old standbys today, were, were really introduced by him. He was, you know, the whole concept of a uh, of a uh, uh, of the detective, the professional detective, working um, uh, in opposition with or helped by the the amateur detective and. He's got all the, uh, the old standbys, the the bumbling local constable who, unfortunately, we didn't have time to have in our particular production, but he's got a whole bunch of, uh, red herrings in there. There's a big recreation of the crime scene, um, that features prominently in, in our act three and, and in the sort of last third of, of his novel. And a lot of these things that we think of today as, as, as standby, uh, mystery elements were, were really first exploited in the English language, uh, by, by Wilkie.
0: And I understand that that uh, all the other detective writers after him, they all looked to him as the model.
1: Certainly, many did, and uh, Dorothy Sayers herself um, uh, really looked up to 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 him and his writing, in particular, and The Moonstone in particular. And there's, you know, I think that that kind of speaks to in Sayers' case, you know, Wilkie Collins' uh, focus on on relationship and and the kind of the personal cost and the personal effect that all of these. Um, all of these mysterious and hard to explain uh circumstances have uh on the families that are involved that they're not merely uh they're not really uh just sort of a, a series of of by the numbers plot points but that it's it's about flesh and blood people who are who are, are suffering and struggling and and uh
0: yeah and he had he he really likes servants he kind of elevated servants of <laughs> a You know, to above more than just being servants, they were quite involved in the family, as I'm sure that was the the case.
1: Absolutely the uh, the character of Gabriel Betteridge, who 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 narrates um, pretty much all of our Act One uh, in our show here, has the first many hundreds of pages in in the novel and is really the first um, substantive window into into the world of the of the book, and both he and his uh, daughter Penelope and. And they are uh, they are uh, beloved characters in this house, and they have uh, very personal uh, and respected relationships with with Lady Julia in particular. Um, their relationship goes goes way way back, and um, and they're uh, they're as important as all the various uh, cousins and, and in laws running around the house.
0: Well, he also uh, had strong women in in a lot of his uh, his work.
1: Oh, wonderfully strong women from you know whether it's whether it's uh Rachel who who takes a a strong personal stand even at 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 great cost to her own to her own honor uh you've got her in the other end of the spectrum you've got uh Drusilla Clack who's who's uh she's a bit of a a bit of a, a comedic device when you look at her uh now but you know she's she's sort of prototype of, of, of the suffragettes that were coming up. You know, she's oh, yeah. she's a woman who's you know, who's living on her own and thinking for herself and daring to stand up to to um to the uh to the society around her and she's and she's she, she's very strong. We may we may laugh at her a lot <laughs> especially in this show but uh but uh there's a real strength there. And um and then there's uh you look at characters like Rosanna Spearman who who makes a, what could be argued as a as a very weak choice? But you know, she she is someone who came from extremely uh, desperate means and really really spent uh, the the latter part of her life trying to turn her circumstances around. And there's a lot to, a lot to be admired there.
0: Yes, there is. Uh, let's get into the process of how you took this. I don't know how big the novel is. I I got a feeling it's it's a huge novel and. Breaking it down and putting it on stage, yet keeping the essence of the story. Because I, I, I have not read the novel, but I did a a bunch of research before I did my review on it. And from what everyone's saying about it, that's what I saw on the stage. So you're to be congratulated. <laughs> well,
1: that's that's definitely what I wanted people to feel like. Even though, um, you know, realistically speaking, I, I had to cut out uh, more <laughs> more subplots than I could possibly mention here. Um, but I guess, you know, I, I, I began the adaptation uh, back in January of 2009, and that's kind of when I did the bulk of my work on the...
0: But let's go back one step. Mm-hmm. You guys have a committee, from what I understand, right? Or, or... Well, We have an artistic ensemble, yeah,
1: and yeah. Um, the title had been, had been uh, uh, one of interest for a, a very long time. And when I came into the ensemble in uh, 2004, five, I uh I picked up the book for the first time and, and read it and fell in love with it and we were as a group trying to figure out um if one person in particular wanted to take it or we'd even we'd even kicked around the idea of um doing an evening where three different adapters would each tackle the the three different sections of it. Um but um that that didn't happen and then uh Francis Lemon Shelley who who did all of our Sayers adaptations was was um was had been thinking about doing the Moonstone, but uh, when she was heading towards uh, towards Bussman's honeymoon and wanting to focus on that, uh, I had decided to to step up with uh, my directing partner. So, Paul S-
0: so somebody takes uh, becomes the advocate for the show.
1: Well, you know, it works different for right. for every book that we pick. Most in most cases, um, we we will bring in a, a you know a, a certain adapter will bring in a title that is. Is very dear to them, and then uh, we'll we'll champion it through the process. And then, in some rare cases, there are just titles that we all love, and just know that at some point, when the timing is right for for someone to step up and do it, um, we want to see this happen because it you know it's it's something that we know our audience would, would really enjoy, and it's something that feels like it. Well, would... I'll tell
0: you, you guys have the magic touch when it comes to that because the variety just keeps it fresh. Uh, I've told people, you just go to your theater, uh, don't even, don't even worry about what what the show is because you're going to see a great show
1: well we're fortunate I think you know we we have so many different interests in the ensemble from from folks who are really into um, sort of you know costume romances and folks who are really into sci-fi and fantasy and folks who are really interested in, in the mystery genre and, and uh, I think you know part of the thing that's that's been exciting being a part of this group is is just getting exposed to all this uh, different styles of literature and getting the opportunity to, to work on shows of such such different genre and you know and it's it's we're fortunate to have an audience that is willing to step outside of their own uh sometimes step outside of their own personal taste and give something new a try um and we're we're really lucky to have that not not everybody can can get away with uh doing such a wildly different genre shift.
0: part of it is they know they're going to see you know a top notch show that you, you you know you guys production values are always so strong in your shows that, you know, I, I'm willing to, you know, whatever, the, oh, okay, that's the topic, fine, they'll do a good job with it. You know, even if I'm like, whoa, g- going in, I just know, you know, once you have that confidence, and then you guys deliver show after show.
1: Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very much. We're very fortunate. So, so let's
0: get back to the process now. So, okay, so you end up being selected, or, or you end up being the advocate or the guy going to adapt this?
1: Yeah, so so Paul and I stepped up and said that uh, I would adapt it and he would direct it, and we had actually had it, um, it was slated, to be our uh closing show of last season up to the point that we were about to send our press release out when uh when we got the word that the rights for Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere came through so we at the last second uh switched out that project um and put Neverwhere into last season and then bumped uh, Moonstone up to this year which i ended up being great because i needed uh <laughs> i needed that extra year to uh to sink my teeth into it
0: so how long is the novel?
1: I think, the you know, I don't have it with me. I think the version that I have is it like 585 pages wow, or something.
0: 500. All right, get us into the process. Now, you read it, you love you love it, you see it on stage. Yet, you know, your show was three hours long, and folks, it's three hours, it just zooms. You know, unlike some of the 80, 75, and 80-minute shows I see that are five hours long. But, all right, you've got this. this 500 page novel how do you get it down on stage well the first the first the first sort of
1: um issue that i had to sort of wrestle with was what was the what what was the structure going to be the the novel itself is so famous for its uh 11 different narrators with their very different points of view oh there are 11 there are actually 11 in in the novel and um so the first big question for myself was uh you know, am, am I going to, am I going to embrace that aspect of it, or <laughs> attempt to ignore it? And you know, I decided, you know, for my own sake, one of the things that I loved about the novel was, was the way the story was told, and and this this concept of, of um, uh, parceling the story out and sharing the story between people with, with very different experiences and worldviews, uh, ended up being something that I found to be important to putting this on stage. So I had to. I had to wrestle with which narrators um, I wanted to use. There were some that that were very easy to throw away. There's a couple of um, very small ones, like there's a there's a, a steamboat captain, and Sergeant Cuff has a has a little deputy guy um, that I I was able to do away with, um, and then uh some other ones were were trickier to figure out like uh, Mr. Mirthwaite the the world traveller who's spends most of his time uh wandering in India has such uh, a large important voice in the novel for setting up the the backstory and um answering key questions about about the uh the mythology of the of the stone and its guardians and but that character isn't really present in the world of the book. He's only uh interacted uh with through through letters sent to Franklin Blake. So I had to figure out how to to wrap him into the story or Ezra Jennings who's who is uh, uh such a lovely, rich, bizarre character, but he's dead <laughs> and at the time the story happens, um, how to how to wrap them up. And, you know, the story is filled with with letters being sent back and forth and and, and writings and all sorts of uh communication that way. And so um, giving them a voice, as as, um, as allowing them to speak through the construct of, of you know, a journal in the case of Ezra Jennings, uh, and, and 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 just being able to let letters uh, sent from Mr. Murthway speak uh, well, on well, stage. Well, your
0: your your selection of the of the three narrators, one basically one for each act, and with that interaction, where you got a lot of information at the beginning of the show, I thought worked well because it hooked me right in, and you know that's the key to any mystery. If you hook them in. And keep it rolling. You know, you you can't wait to see what the ne- what's going to happen next.
1: Well, good. I, you know, I tried to provide as much interaction with the narrators as I could. You know, in the beginning of Act One, even though Betteridge um, deals with the bulk of the exposition in Act One, he has uh, he has a relationship on stage in the narrative um, in the narrative framework with his daughter Penelope that that is uh, lifted a little bit from the novel and 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 played with a little further on stage. And then I try to do the same thing in Act Two with. Um, uh Drusilla Clack is sort of our primary narrator there but we also have Mr. Bruff and they have a very contentious relationship in the novel and the one scene they have together and I kind of expand on that a little bit to give us uh, a little more a little more drama a little sense of uh, a little less sense of uh, talking heads uh, throughout act 2 to keep that. Uh,
0: All right, when you're doing up. these adaptations mm-hmm. I know you're working with uh, with Paul Holmquist mm-hmm. who's I think a very talented director. That's right. Yeah, he's, he's got quite a history. How how early do you get him involved in this i know obviously when it comes to casting but in terms of structuring cuz you're creating a new play from you know from another work
1: well in the case of in the case of this one um we actually have uh a chain of emails going back to three almost 3 years ago now uh where we we just sort of uh, let ourselves go and and riffing off uh what we felt like were the the key the key moments of emotional impact, the sort of overall feel we wanted the story to have, tone, which characters we love, how important we wanted them to be to us. And we just kind of went through a, a brainstorming process of, of, of big, big picture, broad stroke kind of um, touchstones that were going to end up being important to us. And then I just let myself uh, sit on those ideas as I reread the novel a few times, um and let them kind of inform my imagination as I sat down to try to do some of the the tough logistical work of that first you know the first first draft of of any script is always uh rough, it's always a mess and you're 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 trying to figure out um where you're going and 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 all that but i I try to let these the the early discussions that were more about you know our our passions for the story um try to help inform uh inform me as I was dealing with the logistics of uh who do I cut and uh do I need this line and <laughs> which of yeah. can I get rid so, of?
0: So so Paul looks at it from the director's point of view on stage and you're looking you're looking at it from creating the story, and you guys are the intermix there seems we're very to intermixed. work. It,
1: especially it, by the time we get to the 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 production process when we're bringing the designers on board, um, you know, that's the point at which, you know, Paul and I need to have uh, a really common, coherent, uh, shared vision of what this is going to be so that Paul can communicate that to the team and we can all work together to fulfill that. And, you know, we work in a, a very collaborative fashion, both he and I together and just kind of generally at Lifeline where, you know, the designers are, are invited by by me and Paul to to let us know if they have Thoughts or ideas or criticism on on where the script is going or how we're telling the story, and once the actors get involved in the process too, we we had a, a great group of incredibly dedicated actors who who had a, uh, a you know some really tricky um, dense language to figure out, and they had great thoughts and great suggestions well, on how to I, improve the story.
0: I said in my review, you had the A list of non equity actors in this, time. and we have such a great pool of you know of, of People who are just dedicated to creating art, and we really do. We yeah. really do. Yeah, you're. I mean, so at what point now do you get involved with with casting, or is that totally Paul's, or how does it, is it all a collaborative process?
1: It's it's all very collaborative. Um, in the case of uh, uh in the case of most of the shows we've done together, um, you know, he always has the final decision, but he's he's very open to to hearing uh, my thoughts and seeing people that I want to see and entertaining um, any, you know, combinations of people that might occur to me. Uh, he's always got the, the final say on that, but but uh, we haven't, I can't think of a time where we've ever uh, really butted heads on that, which is nice. You know, we, we tend to see eye to eye when it finally comes down to, and you know, there's just so many wonderful actors to choose from, and, and it ends up being you know the a nice a nice choice between many wonderful options um but ultimately in the case of in the case of this show you have um not only um uh, the language and the dialect and all that stuff to deal with but you've got people that are all supposed to be in the same family and and so you know people's uh look and and you know height and all that kind of stuff all plays in 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 addition to uh to their talent and, and and their facility with the with the with the characters and um well, and, you
0: know, one of the production values that I like, obviously, you guys do terrific costumes. This is 1840s in this show, right? Yes. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's as good as anything you'd see at the Goodman or Stephen of any a wonderful job, especially
1: with the, with the ladies' dresses. Yes. I, I mean, and Sonneville, who plays that And uh, the
0: bonnets. Rachel. Oh,
1: they're just, they're lovely. And there's such great, great, you know, when they're outside on the streets, the silhouette of all the men with the long coats and yeah. the top hats and the ladies with the bonnets and it feels very, very uh very rich and authentic and, and the the color palette is is
0: working in great uh Well folks if you go to, to, to the the website you have that great photo. Where did you take that photo? Were they all were they all outside? <laughs> we took that. Uh, it had we to took, be before the snow.
1: It was yeah, it was I believe literally one week before it started snowing. It was november twentieth and all those uh wonderful actors humored me and uh Bill got together some costumes, and we trundled out to a little bird sanctuary down by uh, Montrose Harbor. And uh, they all took off their winter coats and stood out there in this field while uh, Suzanne Plunkett took uh, took a series of photos of them. And and uh, uh, it was a great <laughs> it, was, it was a great morning. I'm really glad it worked out. Made for a real striking picture.
0: Well, it shows the you know the dedication. So give a little commercial now for for the show.
1: Oh, a commercial for the show. Yeah. Um, it is well the moonstone is, it's a, it's a, it's a rollicking mystery. It's a, it's a tragic romance and it's uh it's even got a bit of sort of a Victorian era pseudoscience thriller to it at certain points in the plot. Um, but it's really a, a in my opinion, a, a really powerful family drama about, about secrets and the destructive, uh, the, the destructive influence they have on our lives and, our ability to trust each other and our loved ones—it's a, it's a group of characters who are who are who are struggling with with secrets and lies and 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 even and trying to protect each other and uh, and having to make some hard decisions to to come out on the other side of 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 the things that they're all haunted by.
0: Okay, tell us uh, where your show is at, what days you play, and you know that that part of it too. Give it a little plug there. <laughs> the Folks, show you can't is at, miss this show.
1: <laughs> the show is at Lifeline Theater. Uh, which is at 6912 North Glenwood Avenue in Chicago. We're running through March 27th. Um we run Thursday and Friday at 730, Saturday at 4 and 8 p.m., and Sunday at 4. And we're on the, uh, on the web at, uh, Theater with an RE.com.
0: And you have uh, you have a parking lot with a shuttle. We a do have a parking, parking
1: lot, uh, free parking lot, uh, just six blocks away. and We run shuttle before and after the show,
0: and that helps, folks. Cause it's a little tough to park, right.
1: Parking is really tough, especially now with uh, with all the snow.
0: But uh, it's also right off the Morris Red Line stop,
1: half a block south of uh, Morris Red Line. Yep.
0: So, and it, the show runs three hours. And what, what's your ticket price?
1: Uh, it's. Uh, $32 on Thursday and Friday, $35 on Saturday and Sunday, and then we have a uh, group senior student discounts, and and um, we're also available on uh, Hot Ticks and Gold Star
0: and those things as well. Folks, for that kind of money, you're going to see a first-class show. It really, anyone who likes mysteries or anyone who likes period pieces or anyone who just likes good storytelling, that's what this show is. Well, thank you so much, Tom. So, Lau, let's talk a little bit about your background. Oh, by the way, I... What relationship is your dialect coach to you? Uh, she's my wife. Uh, that's what I wife. thought. Yeah. That's and and one other question. Several people and I told them I was going to interview. Them, they said, "Ask them why in Act Two does the the set sort of you know looks like the the place is falling down."
1: We have uh, we have a, a conceptual uh, construct going on in this show. We're at uh, at three key moments uh, in the plot um some of the well the, the set when you first walk in is is a, a very richly colored highly detailed um but ultimately two dimensional uh trompe l'oeil uh sort of facade and uh this is there to to sort of mirror the the facade of 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 lies and deception that's going on with all the characters and as as all the characters undergo or di- or make painful discoveries um some of that facade is is uh, stripped away from the set as well revealing uh revealing what's going on
0: underneath revealing kind of the uh Boy, am i glad you said that cuz I guessed that. Oh, excellent. I guess right, <laughs> but I but I I I said I'll, I'll ask cuz I didn't know. I'm glad you were able yeah. to guess it. It's uh, it's uh. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't the only one. It was someone else It's said. it's a it's a subtle it's a subtle
1: thing, but uh, we hope it uh, helps helps. It makes for some nice uh, imagery at the end, especially when, when everything is falling apart and and the house is empty and and um, and all that.
0: And the cast is just just such first class. they really. Great. I'd have to name everybody, so I won't because we don't have the time for that. <laughs> but I mean, really, it's 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 incredible. There were some really really great performances in it. And uh I got a feeling the uh, Jeff Committee I know recommended it, right? They did, yeah. Yeah, I got a feeling you guys are gonna be up there uh again. This is you know, it just seems to happen almost every year. Well that's that's very kind of yeah. So let's get into your background now. Um you've adapted ten theatrical adaptions. You're also a director and an actor. Yes. Yeah. I think you're an excellent actor and I'm surprised uh do you make it a point not to be in shows you adapt, or how does that work?
1: I've only done that once. That was in, uh, Neverwhere last, uh, spring. It's the, the writing process, especially here at Lifeline when we're, we're, um, we're having to put together fairly massive shows in a, in a relatively short period of time. The writing process is, is so involved that, um, that also acting in the show just doesn't seem it's uh, not particularly feasible always, but in the case of of Neverwhere, I had been working on that script for uh, about ten years, and and I felt um, that if Paul wanted to to entrust me with a role in the show, um, I felt that the script was at a point where um, where we'd be able to work things out during the process. So, so that that was that was that was tricky.
0: Yeah, I was um, going to say, how does that work when you're you know w- when you created a lot of it, and all of a sudden you got to listen to a director?
1: well honestly you know it's it's all about trust you you okay. develop a relationship of trust with with your with your with your directing partner and then as an as as a writer um in <laughs> acting in the show i just had a uh, an incredibly generous group of actors in that show who were willing to to uh, be comfortable with having the writer be on stage with them and still able to make suggestions or suggest cuts or additions or um,
0: shows how you guys really get along because boy stuff like that would just tear apart a lot of theater companies.
1: Yeah, I, we're 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 very we're very fortunate to to work with people that are 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 as generous of spirit as as they are because it's it's not easy you know it, and it involves anytime you're putting up any artistic product you know it involves a lot of a lot of uh, hard feedback and and hard. Decision making, but you know, when you're putting up like we do, six brand new shows every year, it, uh it takes uh, it takes a lot of patience and a lot of uh, a lot of support. And
0: uh, it also takes people who see the big picture at the end.
1: It does, and that's you know, that's really if you take a look at everywhere, that's what that's what I had to lean on 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 Paul for since I was I I literally could not actually see the big picture because I was in just about every scene of the play. So I I just uh, stepped back and put my trust in him that he would be able to. Um, you know, bring uh, both our shared vision and his own personal vision to life, and, and he did indeed.
0: Yeah, Paul does such a terrific job. Yeah, he really does. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of his work. Uh, so, tell us some of the things you've been in as an actor.
1: Um, I do a lot of my acting work uh, here at Lifeline, and uh, also with uh, Shawnee Theater Company, where I'm also an ensemble member.
0: That's right, and they do they they do great stuff. Oh yes, I've yeah, I've, 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 I've been she-
1: I've been very <laughs> sad to miss uh, the last. To not be able to be in the last few shows they've done because I, I really loved, uh, especially the Weir. I thought was was uh, was just really rich and, and, sure and well done. Um, but uh, yeah, with Shawnee, I've I've been in uh, Mojo, Mickey, Bow, and mm-hmm. and and War, and with uh, in the Dark, and and then uh, here at Lifeline recently, it's been uh, uh, Wuthering Heights and Neverwhere and uh, Blossom's Honeymoon and Mark of Zorro, which we had a blast running for for. Uh, Months and months here and down at the theater building.
0: Yeah, you guys did great with that show. Uh, uh, Treasure Island didn't? weren't you involved in that? too? Uh, I directed that one. Yeah, yeah that that was one of the best versions I've seen it, And how you guys created that the ship on that um, little
1: stage, Alan's set was remarkable, and the ability of that group of men to to climb and clamber and over and under and through that thing was it was really something to watch. I I I, I never had a I never got tired of watching that show. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> they were really spectacular.
0: What generally is the rehearsal process to put together a you know brand new show? Big shows with a zillion entrance exits, you know, lots of dialogues, costume changes. I mean,
1: well, typically here we're we're um, somewhere around the six or seven week mark, um, which is um, which is sometimes. Not quite enough, but we're very fortunate to have a a two week preview process, and we really do a lot of um a lot of work throughout the preview process we We, we rehearse on preview days we, we we solicit audience feedback throughout both weekends of previews and then we have um, we go back into rehearsal the two week, uh, the week before between the two previews and uh, and uh, we make great use of. Of that time. But, you know, also, as as far as the script development goes, um, before the actors even come into the rehearsal hall, we've we've had, in the case of most scripts, um, two separate full readings with, you know, um, full ensemble discussion, uh, development discussion about the script that will run, you know, anywhere between three to six to nine months before rehearsals start. So there's a lot of work done um, beforehand, before the actors even get into the space. But, you know, there's a lot of things you never discover until you actually have actors, uh, you know, moving around on the set and, and trying to figure out costume changes and trying to make sense of their, their characters and motivations and stuff. So wow. a lot changes in those in those last six or seven weeks.
0: It's an amazing process. I mean, m- most mm-hmm. theater groups don't have the spa to try that. You know, the, it's a lot simpler to take another script, you know, a, a finished play and, and cast it, rehearse it, find out what it's about.
1: Well, it's you know it's it's this this process is is something that we that we really love and we're we're all we're all dedicated to and uh, it's it's great to to be with a group of artists that that have have a, a
0: similar set of interests. Well, you guys are the best at it, and Thank and we got to keep up the work. I have time for one more question, yes. and it's one that I always get. What advice would you give to uh, a young adapter, a young playwright, in terms of uh, of getting started? What what, what after ten. Ad- Doing, you know, being involved in this for a number of years, what, what advice would you give?
1: Boy, I, I guess I would, I would, um, I would advise getting really comfortable with the development and feedback process, which is, which is something that everyone, um, uh, struggles and grows and learns with throughout their entire career, but I think, uh, there's, there is, there's so much to be learned from, from readings and the thoughtful criticism and advice of, of other talented artists. Um, if you're willing to, to open your mind and open your spirit to it. And, uh, I, I think that's, that's, that's a, that's a challenging part of, uh, you know, any artistic ende- endeavor, yeah. <laughs> listening yeah. to, to people, to the criticism, and their criticism, yeah. that it's very yeah. hard, but, um, uh, oftentimes, uh, uh, the best ideas or the the best challenges to uh, to your own ideas uh, lead you to paths that that ultimately end up being uh, deeper and richer than you than you could have found on your own. And and I uh, I really cherish the, the the collaborative process that
0: we do here. And well, you guys are as good as any group that I've seen in this. And keep up the good work. And thank you very much, Tom. And folks, go see a play this week.